thing. So Second uh, Peter, we've got, and I'll just pretend you're brand new, first day, okay? Welcome. Second Peter is a letter Peter has written to uh, Christians at that time scattered all throughout the known world. And First Peter, that he's preparing them for opposition that they're going to face, persecution for uh, following Jesus, whether that's politically, whether that's in their job, whether that's in their family, um, all those things he addressed. And then Second Peter, as we've gone into Second Peter, he's really laid the, the, the groundwork, the foundation for, uh, for preparing them for false prophets, these false teachers. And, and at the beginning of Second Peter, he, he just reminds them, he says, listen, those foundation, uh, those foundational pieces, those things that, that you've heard, that you already know, put those things into practice, okay? Like, like stop looking for just what's new or what's next and, and understand and know that God's already given you everything you need to walk through this. Then he, then he started to unpack why God's word is reliable. What an important topic for us today. When I talk to people, that's one of the, the uh, first questions is, they ask is, is God's word reliable though for today? So, so he makes that case. Part of him making that case is saying, listen, you can trust what the prophets wrote because they were, uh, they were moved by God and the Holy Spirit spoke through them to write what they wrote. So it wasn't just some person out in the woods going, this sounds good, let's write it down. And now you have the Bible. No, uh, the Bible's remarkable uh, and, and, and you can trust it. But then last week, what he warns them is just as they're, are reliable prophets who have written scripture, there are going to be, there are false prophets, these false teachers. And what's, what's scary is he doesn't say if, or they might be there. He says they're already there. And last week we looked at these defining characteristics of these false uh, teachers uh, that were gonna be in the church, that are gonna be in our church, that are gonna be infiltrating all these churches. And I know it's like, whenever I say something like that, people are like, is it you? Like, is it you? Like, you know, uh, but, but we talked about how they're gonna be really smooth, right? They're gonna know scripture. They're gonna, they're gonna say things that sound a lot like God. Um, but some of the defining characteristics are going to be uh, when it comes to greed, they're gonna be motivated by money. Uh, when it comes to God's sovereign authority over their lives, they're gonna reject that. Now, they're not gonna outright say it, just like they're not gonna say, hey, I'm at your church, I'm a false prophet, just wanted to introduce myself. Good to meet you, can I have the mic today? You know, like they don't do that. And, and so they're gonna manipulate you, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, get into the community group, they're gonna get into the youth group, the, the kids ministry, right? An outreach ministry. Um, all of those are avenues, right, for this uh, to happen. And so he says, you need to be careful. And then another defining characteristic uh, he talked about is how uh, they are going to be those that are going to present a message uh, that you can, from a sensual or a sexual place, you can experience all you want in that avenue and still have God. I know. Now, before we go into this section, I want to be really, really clear with you, especially if it's your first time. Maybe it's your first time watching online. I'm gonna say some very direct things today. Can you all just nod? Okay, that, that's gonna happen. Now, we have awesome ministries all the way from baby through middle school, okay? And so I want you to know that, that that is an option. That's my warning, okay? 
So I'm going to say direct things because you guys, that's what scripture is. It's direct. And I'll be honest for some of you, you're probably going to disagree or not like some of the things that I say. Um, but I don't think scripture, once again, was created so that I would agree with it, right? Scripture is to point me to God, God's standards, God's way of doing things, and he invites me into a relationship with him. And, and so, you guys, if you're gonna read your Bible, if you're gonna study it, you are going to be confronted with some things that are uncomfortable, some things you'd love to avoid, or some things that just quite honestly, they're gonna bump against culture, right? That cultural narrative. And, 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 and so as a church, you know, we, we go verse by verse, right? Uh, for better, for worse. And, and today's just one of those days where there's just some direct things. And, and I know it's a baptism Sunday, but God makes no mistakes. So we're gonna walk through it together, okay? Now, as, as we go into 2 Peter chapter two, here at verse uh, four through 10a, here's what you need to understand. Peter is going to pause here after he's just said, listen, these uh, false teachers, these false prophets who are gonna be in the church, God is gonna deal with them. God's not asleep. He's awake to what's going on. He's awake uh, to, to all the people that are following them because he says a lot of people are going to follow them and their teaching. Uh, and so he says, but judgment is going to come. And so what he's gonna talk about now are, are, are two pieces uh, to, uh, to who God is that are absolutely critical. And, and for some of you, you're gonna have to fight against what some of these, even these terms bring up inside of you, right? For one is judgment, okay? So he's gonna talk about judgment. Now for some of us, maybe you grew up in the church or maybe you wanted nothing to do with the church because of how you've heard judgment portrayed, amen? And, and so judgment's a very real thing. He's gonna talk about judgment. He's also going to talk about mercy, okay? Now, his point here is, is he's gonna pause and he's gonna walk through three historical examples from Genesis of God exercising his judgment and his mercy. Because what he wants to show these Jesus followers scattered all throughout the world, struggling with the things you and I are struggling with, is he wanted to, to demonstrate and show them that God has a track record that they can trust. Okay, guys, uh, when you think about moments you're gonna struggle uh, or you're gonna have doubts, it's so critical that you're able to, to look back and, and see God's track record and understand and know that, that who uh, he was is who he is and, and he hasn't changed, right? And, and, and so he's the same yesterday, today, and, and forever, just like scripture. And, and, and so you can rely on that. And so um, when, we, when we think about why this is important, it's the same reason if you hire employees, why do you look at uh, their, their resume, their application process, all of those things? You're trying to identify a track record because you believe that track record's gonna help you anticipate how they're gonna respond moving forward, right? It's the same reason all the political advertisements during a, a political season, they highlight the candidate's past records. Why? Because they say this is historically how they voted, how they've led, so they're gonna continue to probably do that, right? And so when we look at God's track record, we can see, man, God, you've been so faithful. You've been consistent, all of these things. And so we know that then where I'm at today, those same characteristics are gonna get applied to me 
and move me forward. And it gives you hope. And so that's what Peter's trying to do here. And so in 2 Peter chapter uh, 2, let's look at verses 4 through 8. He starts off by saying, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Okay, so first example that Peter gives from the past uh, is he uses this example, and guys, I'm gonna be really honest, this is gonna get a little weird here, okay? But just hang with me. Um, he's going to use a specific situation. He doesn't tell us what it is where angels turned against God and sinned, okay? And, 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 and essentially what he's saying is if, if he has judged these fallen angels, he for sure is going to judge a, a human being who's a false prophet who's denying him and drawing other people away. Okay, and, and, and so what, what is he speaking to? Well, what we believe he's speaking to is this specific situation in Genesis chapter six. Now, some of you, you've read this and, and you looked at it in Genesis six and you went, wow, okay, let's move the page. Because it was just like, what? But in Genesis chapter six, verses one through four, we get a picture of, of what these uh, angels did because he's specifically talking about these fallen angels who, who crossed these species lines and had sexual relations with women on earth. And I know, in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, it says, when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Now, Jude 6, uh, which talks a lot uh, in, in, in alignment to 2 Peter, Jude 6 talks about this incident. It says, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but their proper dwelling." He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. And so Peter is just using this as an example, an example they were familiar with, an example we're not as familiar with because what we don't fully understand, what do we do? We stay away from it, don't we? Yes, you do. Okay, <laughs> let's just be honest, all right? None of you are like reading that to your kids at night for your little Devo, okay? Um, and so what we get is this understanding that, that, that Peter's trying to portray that, that God is going to deal with these people. He consistently deals with these people. And the term that he says, listen, these fallen angels, these, this specific group who did this heinous act, he dealt with them immediately, in fact. 
In fact, he, he uses the uh, example how they're, they're chained right now, uh, temporarily waiting for that eternal judgment, okay? In fact, the word he uses for hell is a Greek term that is only used here in all scripture. It's called teturo, um, and, and, and that term was, was a term that was used in Greek mythology to describe this, this, this literally this, this holding place where the wicked spirits would go, okay? And so he's using terminologies that these, these pagan individuals who ended up receiving Christ, they were very familiar with them. So they're tracking with them. They're understanding what Peter is trying to get across here. And then he uses another example, okay? And, and his second example comes from what? The story of Noah and the flood. Now we're like, okay, there we go. I can participate today. In, in Genesis chapter six, verses five through seven, we read this. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. Do you just see that father just grieving over their child? Man, you just see that. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. And Peter, once again, is making the same point. He's, he's like, listen, God consistently dealt with these fallen angels. And then look at the story of Noah. He dealt with those people, all of the people there that literally were consumed with doing evil, it says, continually, right? In opposition to who God was. Now, what you also need to see is, is they were informed. They were making informed decisions, weren't they? Why? Because he also includes in this example, Noah, who it says was a righteous preacher. Noah preached for years to these people, right? For years. And, and his success rate was remarkable, right? Zero. Like none. I mean, we, right? We would have all said, you're clearly not called to be a preacher. Like, you know, shut the church down. Okay, someone help him out, right? You're not an evangelist. It's not working. You got your family, but that doesn't really count right now. Okay, you, you, and, and daily, daily, daily like, like Noah is, is this preacher. He says this, this preacher of, of, of righteousness. And, and what I love about this example is, is Peter gives us the other side, right? We're, we're so used to just this, this heavy handed judgment, but, but Peter here, he highlights how Noah and his family were what? Rescued. Noah and his family. So at, at the same time as God is delivering judgment on those who are like, I want nothing to do with you, God. I know what I should do. I, I, I know what the choices are. I'm gonna do, I, wanna, I wanna do what I wanna do. And, 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 so, and so he says, yeah, God's gonna deal with that. But also, and he's talking to these, these Jesus followers who are all by themselves, some of them, in these parts of the world that are rough, that are difficult, and they're alone, and they're speaking the message of Jesus. They're trying to live it out. They're all by themselves. Nobody's responding. In fact, they're being persecuted for it. And he goes, remember Noah. Remember Noah. Faithful to God's word. He was in the minority, clearly, 
but he, he maintained, he was faithful to God's word. And it says what? God rescued him. God delivered mercy. Mercy. Right now, I want you to know something. If you're breathing, you've been gifted mercy. Mercy is him not giving us what we deserve. And so just the fact that you're here right now is, is just incredible mercy. And, and, and so we see this example, um, once again, where God is, is, is showcasing a pattern, right? Where, yeah, he is a just and righteous God, and he's going he's gonna to judge out of that, but he's also going to have mercy out of that. And he's going to save, and, he, and, and he's going to respond, right? He's going to rescue. And then finally, the third example Peter gives is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he talks about the deliverance of Lot. And this is from Genesis 18 and then uh, into Genesis 19. Now, this is where it's just gonna be, it's gonna, we're gonna be really direct here, okay? These cities were absolutely beyond wicked, okay? Beyond wicked. Especially from a lust and sexual nature. It literally says that, that this, this city, uh, the, they, they, they traded everything that was natural and went for the unnatural. They, they, they knew uh, what the law was. They, they knew God's, God's way, God's will, and yet they, they denied that. And in particular, when it came to lust, they said, no, we're just gonna do whatever we want and there's no rules to this. And I mean, there were no rules to that. Whatever you desired, whatever you wanted, whatever you lusted after, uh, whether it was the opposite sex, the same sex, whatever it was, uh, th that those desires. And it wasn't just what I desire or what I struggle with because guys, I'll tell you what, when we look at a room like this, we all have desires. We all uh, have biases. We all have things in our lives that we're gonna struggle with don't we? Every single one of us. And, and that's like, not just like lust, right? That, that's all these areas in our lives that, that we're going to have these issues with, okay? That, that we're going to struggle with, right? And, and, and specifically here, he's speaking to the lust factor and how these cities took that um, way beyond God's design for a man and woman to, to be married, right? It was, it was, those rules didn't apply anymore. So it didn't matter age, it didn't matter gender, and nothing mattered. And they pursued that as, as best they could. Guys, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. He literally says, Peter stops and says, God used these cities as an example for you not to follow them. Like God, God's like, hey, here's this story. Don't do that. Now guys, when, when we look at standards, when we look at ways of doing things in God's design, whether it's marriage, sexuality, all these things, right? When we look at that, there is an obedience factor that I have to be willing to walk through as far as placing my own will, my own desires, my own uh, draws, my own pulls, my, uh, all these. I have to be able to literally park that car and get out of it and go, okay, God, this is what you say. And I have to make a decision. What am I gonna do? Am I gonna actually obey you in this 
Or am I gonna get back in the car and go, no, I've got this figured out. This is what I want. This is how I am. And so God, you have no right. Now guys, when you look at our culture right now, I would say we're the ones in the car, aren't we? Our culture's in the car going, I'm gonna do what I want, how I want it, and you can't define or determine that, and you can't judge me for that. Don't you dare, right? You can, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, that's where we're at. Now guys, here's the problem with that. Where does that end? It has no ending, does it? You can't put an ending on it. You can't turn that off. You can't come to me after saying, Steve, you can do whatever you want, and then say, Steve, but you can't do that. I'll be like, no, that's not, that's not how this works. So guys, once you start down that road, you can't reel it back in, right? Sodom and Gomorrah, classic example. You couldn't just reel it back in. And so guys, uh, what's, what's scary is I think about our culture, our, the climate that we're in, and, and we're just, we're determined whatever we want, however we want it, we're gonna get it. And I have every right to do that. And who are you to say this or that? And, and what we're saying though, you guys, is when it comes to mental health, all these things, depression, all this, we're, we're literally, we've got the statistics and it's not even like, it's not even like, oh, there it is. Like, no, we, we have them that says that doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, guys, these cities were so evil. Abraham, God talks to Abraham and God says, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. And Abraham goes, okay, God, well, you're a really good God. You're very just. What if there's like 50 people, God? Just 50. Have you guys ever like bartered with God? You're like, no. (laughs) Yeah, you have. And (laughs) we all have. And like 50, like 50. And God's like, sure. And Abraham's like, ah, why would he agree to that? Okay, God, well, what if there was like five less? 45. God's like, okay, 45. That was easy. 40? 40, God, you're good. You're a good God. 40? He said, yeah, 40. Okay, that was too easy again. 30, God, 30. Because you are all powerful, all knowing, you're all loving. 30? Sure. 20, 20, 20, okay? Gets down to 10. 10, God, 10. God's like, sure. Guys, there weren't 10 people in there trying to follow Jesus. And so we see this judgment on these cities. And it's literally an example. In fact, Jesus uses the flood and this story as an example to describe when he comes back and he says, listen, people are gonna be so caught up in doing their own thing and pursuing their own plans and their own agenda. And he says in Luke 17, and that's when I'm gonna come back. And he uses these city, these, situ, these stories as the example. And, and, and so, but, but then here's the other piece of this that's really important is once again, he doesn't just say, hey, there, there's judgment. I know what I'm doing. I'm consistent. But he also, once again, speaks to the deliverance that he brings, doesn't he? The mercy, the, the, the rescuing nature of our incredible God. And what he speaks to is is the reality uh, that it says, it says Lot was a righteous man. Now, when I studied this, I, I literally responded out loud when I read that. I went, no, he wasn't. And I was responding to Genesis. You know, Lot is really lucky that they talk about him in the New Testament because if you only knew Lot from the Old Testament, you would really have a different opinion about him. 
you would think a lot of bad things about him. You'd be like, he's selfish. He willingly chose to be in that city and all of these things. He sacrificed his family, all, all these things that, that you're just like, I don't wanna be like him. But then all of a sudden, Second Peter's talking about this righteous guy. Guys, he wasn't perfect. He had a lot of issues. Uh, there was a lot of problems in his family that he was navigating through. And he literally was in a very, very difficult environment. Okay, it, it talks about this, this environment and, and, and how this, his, his spirit was, was greatly distressed by the behavior of the wicked people around him. Okay, it, it, it was literally uh, bothering uh, him to the point where his faith had grown just weary. He was tired. Uh, like when you think of a pencil being dull, his faith was just dull uh, from the bombardment of everything that was just against the will and the way of God. And verse eight unpacks this more, where it says, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Okay, so, so it was literally torturing his soul. And so God sees this. He sees this guy that's trying to stand in the gap, trying to be righteous, trying to do things God's way uh, in, in the midst of this city who was so evil and wicked and against what God wanted. And so what Peter once again is trying to, to highlight uh, to, his, to, to these people that are reading this is, uh, one, you're not alone if you're feeling this way. You're not alone. Consistently through scripture, we see those who have tried to maintain their walk with God, who tried to cling to God's word. We see that, that, that they, were, they were struggling. They, they, they were struggling against a, uh, a culture that was seeing everything differently and, and it was wearing them out. And so uh, Peter wants us to understand and know, first of all, that, that there is danger associated with the constant exposure to wickedness that we're gonna experience. Okay, now, now guys, when we, when we think about exposure uh, to, to a, a culture that wants nothing to do with God and, and, and would say doing things God's way is actually, why would you ever do that, right? Uh, those are things you hear at work, uh, you see, whether it's in class, whether it's on a team, uh, whether it's in your families, those are very common beliefs. It's not rare, okay? That's every day for some of you. So what do you do? Do you just quit your job, right? You can't, guys, you're, you're being exposed to these things, you just are. There's no way to run completely away from all of it. So the exposure thing is a very real thing that you're gonna deal with. What he's talking about is you need to be very aware of what that is doing to you and how it has the potential to literally uh, cause you to become dull to your senses to the life that God's called you to live. Does that make sense? Right? In other words, if we're not careful... And some of us, are, we're like, I'm already there. But you get to the point where things that you know are wrong, are evil, are against the will and the way of God, you get to the point where you just go, well, that's just the way the world is. That's just how things are now. So whatever, right? And you just kind of like throw in the towel. Guys, when, when that happens, when we get to the place where we're just like, whatever, that is when we stop crying out to God, don't we? When we get to that point, that's when we stop crying out to God for our own faith. That's when we stop crying out for other people, to, for him to rescue other people. 
And that's why we see in scripture, it says, don't walk fast away from these things. It says what? Flee. Flee. In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14, it says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. So, so he's not saying, hey, entertain it, have it over at your house, hang out, talk about it, immerse yourself in it, right? He says, you're gonna already struggle with that enough. He says, flee. Do your best to avoid that because of what it could do to your heart and your own walk with God, okay? And once again, Peter knows, he knows that these readers are dealing with the same things that Lot was facing. He knew that their faith was waning, that they were getting tired. They, they, they just were feeling like, I just can't resist anymore. And to make it worse, I'm the only one I know who's trying to live this way. Some of you are in maybe middle school, maybe high school, maybe in college, and you're feeling this way. You're listening to the sermon. And you're like, man, if I did this, I'd lose half my friends. If I try to do things God's way, I might lose this relationship. People would think this. Guys, that, that's the temptation. That's what's working against you. But you can go back to God. You can go back to his, to his what? His mercy and his ability to pull Lot out of that. He rescued him. Guys, if you will be faithful and cling to God's word, he will rescue you. He rescues you. Okay, now we're gonna learn a little bit more about this in a minute. He says in verse nine, he says this, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise uh, authority. So, so what Peter's saying is, Look at God's track record. He knows how to rescue you. If you need rescued, he'll rescue you. Guys, how does that feel? Wherever you're at, whatever environment, whatever work, family, whatever thing you're going through, if you need rescued, our God is fully capable of rescuing you and he knows how to rescue you. Now, here's what you need to hear though. Uh, when we see trials and all that, he doesn't promise, right, to, to like uh, protect us from the trial, does he? He doesn't say you're not gonna have any trials, right? He doesn't even say your health is going to come out of this intact, right? In fact, it costs some of them their lives. What he promises though is that he, every single trial you'll go through, he's gonna deliver the right amount of grace that you're gonna need to get through the trial every single time. He's gonna get you to the trial, through the trial if you'll rely on him with your faith and your salvation intact. Jesus said, I, Jesus' whole life was a trial while he was here physically on earth. And he said, you're going to have the same kinds of trials. But what does he say? Take heart, I have overcome the world. And so you guys, just as he highlights the judgment and the consistency, he highlights the rescuing, the redemption, the mercy that God has for all of us. And so he concludes this time with once again saying, hey, God is gonna deal this judgment, particularly to people who once again pursue the lusts of the flesh, specifically uh, people who say, God, your authority, no thanks, I don't want it. But guys, Peter isn't 
just simply highlighting the dangers of false teaching and behavior and, and the fact that God's gonna bring judgment on those things. Once again, he's stressing that God will rescue his people out of the mess when he needs to. Guys, judgment, mercy. You can rely on these things. You can count on these things. And so my question to you is, where are, where are you at this morning? Are you, are you the person that's literally like, I am just over it. I've tried living for God. I've tried doing things his way. And I just, I just can't do it anymore. I'm, I, culture's just too much. The opposition's too much. I'm just, it's just, it's in my face nonstop. I just can't do it. And so you're just, whatever. Are you there? And do you need to make a decision this morning that, God, I'm gonna come back to you. I'm gonna do this your way. Maybe, maybe for you, you've never been rescued. Like ever. And, and, and you, you find yourself on this side of just going, that judgment thing sounds crazy and scary that he's gonna judge all of us, and, and you're sitting there going, where, man, where am I at on, on this and, and that? And I know I've got problems, I've got issues, and I've been doing some wrong things that I know are wrong. And maybe for you, the rescue is receiving salvation this morning. It's understanding and knowing that Jesus saw all of those flaws, all of those faults, all of those things you've done that you're doing, that you will do, and still he went to the cross for you. Went to the cross for you. As soon as Jesus went to the cross, it was, it was mercy, right? It was an act of mercy, incredible mercy. But then Jesus died on the cross for your sins with you and me in mind. Then he rose up from the dead having what? Victory, which is the whole picture of baptism. When we bring people out of the water, it's a picture of victory, right? When people don't come out of the water, we don't go, oh, well, that's, that's tough, man, right? And we don't hold them under. They're really sinful. Well, I know what they did. So, some of you are like, I hope you baptize my kid really well. Like he needs a lot, um, right? No, it's a picture of coming out. We celebrate, we clap because it was a life that was dead. In other words, it was a life that was all about itself. It was a life living for itself. And then the picture is coming back to life, right? Uh, the, the, the new life that can only be found through the resurrection of Jesus because he came back from the dead having victory over sin and death so that now all of these things that, that literally as I'm reading judgment, you're looking at your life going, judgment, judgment, judgment. Well, I'm on that team. Um, all of a sudden, Jesus on the cross says, no, you're not. No, you're not. So stop acting like you are. You're still breathing mercy right there. But now we're introduced to a whole new thing that is absolutely life-changing, grace. Him giving you what you don't deserve. You receiving him as your Lord and Savior, receiving that grace so that every day you wake up with a living hope, knowing that for all of eternity, you have been signed, sealed, and delivered into God's perfect family. And no one or no thing or, or no mistake can take you from that. That's amazing, you guys. 
That's amazing. And so whenever, man, whenever it's like direct and we're talking about judgment and, 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 and maybe we're sitting there and, and like I said, it's bringing stuff up. It's bringing up failures. It's bringing areas where, man, I'm, I'm more like Sodom and Gomorrah. Man, I'm more like the people ignoring Noah or, or all these other things. Uh, but, but you need to hear this message, the, this mercy, the, this grace, this, this rescuing. And so guys, if you're weary, if you're broken, if you're just tired of trying to follow Jesus, if you're tired uh, if you're the Noah in your family, you're continuing to try to preach and live the gospel and no one's responding. God can rescue you. There's mercy there. He's got you. Be faithful, okay? If you've never been rescued, like, what are you doing? How is this working out for you? Receive him as your Lord and Savior this morning.